Welcome, everybody. We got episode 27, the Scott Niedermeyer episode of Devil's Army Cast. I'm here, myself, James. I'm with Chris. It's the duo, as always. What's up? But we do have a special guest coming on later. We got our very own George coming on. He's a writer and editor here with us at Devil's Army Blog. We're going to talk a little college hockey later on, so we'll have him hop on in a little bit. Heard it. You guys should be listening to this on December 4th, hopefully, which is a Friday. We took last week off just because it was Thanksgiving holiday. So we're back now. Don't you worry. Um, A little rundown what we're going to be talking about. We got current news. We're going to talk a little bit about an update on the NHL season status, if we're going to see this happen and when it will happen. And then Devils Overseas Prospect Roundup. A lot of the guys that were being loaned overseas are starting to slowly make their way back to North America. So we see how those prospects were doing over there. Then we'll have George on for the college hockey segment, and then that'll be this episode. So we'll start out here with the current news. Um, we'll talk first about the World Juniors. Preliminary rosters are starting to be announced for that, and we're getting some Devils prospects that are on these preliminary rosters. So for the Czech Republic, we got Yarmir Pitlick, who was a draft pick in this year's draft for the Devils. Mr. Alexander Holtz will be representing Team Sweden. Shakir Mukahamadulin and Arseny Gritsuk are on the preliminary Russian roster. Patrick Monahan's on the USA's preliminary roster. And then um, Dawson Mercer and Graham Clark on the Canadian preliminary roster. I believe that's all the prospects, Devils prospects I've seen that have been named to rosters. I don't think I'm missing any, but if I did, yeah, I don't I'm think sure they we'll bring it Nico up. Dawes on Canon. I don't think they did. Did no, I didn't see I didn't see his name. Um so yeah, that's that. If I miss any, we'll bring it up later on or in a couple episodes, but that's good to see the Devils being well represented there. Always a fun tournament. <laughs> Some free agent news, I guess you could say. The Tampa Bay Lightning reworked with their star defenseman, Mikhail Sergachev. Three-year, $4.8 million contract. A very solid deal for them. They are still $2 million over the cap, and they still have to re-sign Anthony Sorelli and Eric Cernak. And there's a couple other lower-tier restricted free agents I think they have to worry about. But Tampa Bay Lightning doing their thing. I'm sure they'll be fine. Maybe they move like a guy like Kalorn or something like that to free up more cap space. But I'm sure they'll figure it out they're still going to be a very good hockey team. So credit their GM for working around all this cap stuff and stuff. So we'll see how they handle that. Um, Teams are slowly returning back to their markets, which is a good thing. So we're seeing kind of once these guys are coming back to their markets and going back to the facilities and stuff, they're getting tested for COVID. We're seeing a decent bit of positive COVID tests, which is not surprising at all, given that they were out doing whatever, living where they're living. And now reporting Vegas and Columbus were two teams that had multiple positives. I think Columbus had like seven and Vegas had five or something like that. But don't worry, this stuff's going to happen. I'm sure they'll work everything out here as we approach the season. A little college hockey update. We'll talk more about this later. But Arne Tal TV is doing well with Penn State is to assist through five games and I believe they are playing right now so I'm sure we'll get some updates as we go on this episode on him uh, COVID-19 seems to be shutting down the Liga which is a Finnish top hockey league for a month I think I read so that's something there um, but 
what else we got? So Alexis Lafreniere and Jack Hughes are both not going to be on the Canadian World Junior roster. Lafreniere, I believe, was denied. I don't think the Rangers were letting him go. It is rumored by Julia Robinheimer, I believe her last name is, is Jack Hughes turned down the offer to go. And Tom Fitzgerald later kind of explained why this decision came about. I think it was kind of a decision – like a co-decision between Hughes and Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald gave him the choice if he wanted to go and Hughes kind of like took his advice and decided, you know what, I'm just going to stay in training New Jersey. Either way, like I was telling you, Chris, I don't think it matters either way. It would have been good to get him some more experience. If not, he'll be training in Jersey. So bottom line, it does not matter. Don't get all worked up about it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I can tell you that I talked about it earlier in our chat. It's, it's not going to make a difference if he goes to this tournament or not. If anything, He's just exposing himself to injury. Um, I get people who say, oh, well, it's ice time. He can play against competition. It, it's That's not NHL competition, which is what he needs to prepare for. Um, so this gives him more time to work physically in the gym and stuff. He's going to go through training camp just like everyone else in the league is. Um, it's hockey once you're you've played it for long enough it's not something where you take like six or eight months off you just all of a sudden forget how to skate and how to stick handle like i guarantee you he's been skating whenever he can but even still maybe it takes like a week or two to get the speed back of reading the ice and and making those decisions quickly but that's about it like 99 percent of it's just muscle memory or or something like that um so I, it's not a big deal that he's not going to this tournament. He'll be ready through training camp and everything. And it's just it's it's a risk for injury that just doesn't need to be out there at this point for him. There's there's nothing he really has to prove by going to that tournament. So gotcha. yeah, I mean I I agree. Nothing to get too worked up about. Uh, another thing I saw which I thought was pretty funny. I guess NHL Network or NHLs.com is doing some 31 and 31 thing where they go around and look at each team and talk about their projected lines and stuff. I mean, you should saw what they put out today for the Devils their projected lines. I'll read them off right now because it's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. So they got top line a Gusev, Fisher, Palmieri, which is fine. I mean, whatever. And then they got second line Boquist, Hughes. Janssen. You notice how I didn't say Jesper Bratt's name, so you know this is getting a little funky there. And then the third line of Yanni Kuokinen, Travis Ajak, and Jesper Bratt. And then we got a fourth line of Mr. Brett Sini, I guess, is going to be on the opening day roster alongside Pavel Zak and Miles Wood. D-pairing, they're a lot of fun. Got Will Butcher and P.K. Subban on the first pairing. And we got Ryan Murray and Severson on the second pairing. Hey, that Murray Severson pairing i think that's gonna work but i think that'll be their first pairing and their <laughs> second pairing so i guess their top four is not too far off i mean maybe you want to sl- it really doesn't matter the order i mean it matters how much ice time they get yeah, exactly. Severson, and murray butcher suban i think those are two good combinations um the last one's a good one though kulikov and carrick connor carrick's not gonna be in the lineup every day come on guys it's gonna be mr ty smith <laughs> So I just thought it was a little funny. Um, Devils fans didn't take too kindly to it. I po- we posted it on the uh, Devils Army blog, social media things, and people were going off. So it was just funny getting feel the people like this going. Every year, they like it put does. out a roster in the summer, it gets worse and, and worse. we just we look at it ourselves and we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, it gets worse and worse. I like NHL.com. I mean, you're the NHL. What are you putting out these? Like, do a little. Come on, do a little bit more research than yeah. just that. But um, yeah, that was that was kind of fun there. Um, any other news I missed, Chris? Do you have anything off the top of your head? Uh, we had a little bit of breaking news earlier today with those uh, 
well, it might tie into the the whole season and and what could possibly happen. So I don't know if you have that in there. Is the it teams a looking to update be on NHL season status? Oh yeah, that's a good one. We'll talk about that now. So go ahead, Chris. So we there were two reports of this. I found one, and then uh, our friend uh, Alex, who's been on the pod before, found another report. I found it from um, Friedman. He said there were four teams in the NHL that were looking to do outdoor games for like the regular season as a way to try and uh get a season going and it was he mentioned anaheim la boston and pittsburgh and then alex shared another one which i believe was from lebron and his said seven i can't remember who those other three teams were he said it definitely wasn't new jersey but teams just trying to think outside the box here of how to get a season going so yeah that's a that's a cool thing great idea um i know because being outside then you are kind of helping with the COVID exposure and you could limit it a little bit. And I mean, that'd be cool. A whole bunch of little winter classics going on. We discussed it um, in the group chat a little bit for some places. I think it would definitely work other places. I don't think it would work. I mean like New Jersey, you can't even do it with the restrictions and stuff. So you don't even Mm -hmm. have to think about that. But um, and someone brought up the severe weather. I don't know if it was you or somebody else. You just throw a little roof. One of them makeshift roofs over the ice because yeah. then you'll have no walls there. So that would fix that part. Someone else said about it being really cold, but I mean, it's hockey. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I mean, it, it, the roof definitely helps with like rain because yeah. obviously that, that helps with that. But if you got like a blizzard or a nor'easter coming, I mean, well, yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, you're not going to play then in you that. Play but, inside. But yeah, you always have your arena you could play at, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a it's bad not a idea bad. when I read it and I'm like, like that's pretty good outside the box thinking, but my main thing was I think financially it costs more to build an outdoor rink and run it than it is to just run a regular well, arena and then you run into who's paying for it because I'm sure the owners contribute towards their home arenas, whereas the NHL probably funds stuff like the Winter Classic, like leasing the venues and, yeah. and building the rink and everything. So so my thing with that is, yeah, it probably costs some money, but by doing that, then you're going to have the concession, the ticket sales and that good stuff to go along, something you wouldn't have in your home arena. You know, yeah. I don't know if those costs are enough to offset building a or not building or leasing or whatever an outdoor rink i mean I, mm-hmm. I don't know the numbers but that's something to think about there but yeah i think it's a pretty fun cool idea we'll see if it goes anywhere but what um some cities that were mentioned in that article again i i remember in friedman's it was anaheim la pittsburgh and boston the mm-hmm. other one was from pierre lebrun i didn't get a chance to read it but i know there were three more teams he listed seven and i know gotcha. alex said new jersey was not one of those teams yeah, so. and Jersey can't even be an option with all the restrictions and stuff. So, But, yeah, that's some fun stuff to think about there. And it's a good segue to our next section where we're going to talk about an update on the NHL season status. And it's not a good one. Um, so the long yeah. rumor January 1st start date is not going to happen, it looks like. The new rumor date, and this is per – oh, man. I think it's per LeBron or Drager. Sorry, I get all these guys mixed up. But the new rumor date is the end of January, January 20th or February 1st, so somewhere in there. And it's kind of getting ugly here. Um, so laid out for you, the NHL and NHLPA are having daily discussions, but nothing are really coming of these discussions. And supposedly, get a little, I don't know if you read this, how crazy this is. The NHL is supposedly a little salty about something they missed in the BART, the CBA agreement they came up on. Yeah, so there was rumors that. of them trying to renegotiate the CBA, but Batman is like, no, we're not trying to do that. Yeah. But then he 
kind of hinted at something that made it seem so it, it's getting a little messy and then you're slowly starting to hear about these rumors of like oh if it worse comes to worse they're just going to cancel the season so yeah. it, it's just messy to, to be clear it's the uh we obviously had the CBA agreement like right before the playoffs started and that's great for everyone. It's great for fans. It's great for players, owners. It's good for future broadcast deals because it'll make sure they have more money because, you know, going into a TV negotiating deal fresh out of a lockout ain't going to help you. Um, but yeah, apparently the owners found something in the CBA that they wanted to tweak and the players are already you know, saying, no, we're having to, you know, give in more escrow than normal because of the situation. So it's, it's a little bit of a mess. I don't think they're reopening it. I'm pretty sure it's, it's staying closed, but, um, yeah, the, the discussion of whether there will be a season is kind of still lingering on just because each day that there isn't any good positive news towards a closer start date, it just sort of starts to get to a point with, do you even have a season? So Yeah, which is a scary thought and it's always – I mean don't be surprised you're hearing these rumors thrown out because, I mean, you, we heard them, of course, before that they were going to cancel the season. It's kind of just – if it's not said, it'd be like a little weird like, oh, where's that silly rumor that they're going to cancel the season or whatever. But, yeah. you know, anything can happen. It's just getting a little ugly. Um, but, yeah, that's your update on the NHL season status. I know we talked in the previous episode about the divisions they're pondering. Is that, like, confirmed or was that just, like, a rumor? I, I, I feel think like it's a rumored. I think it's a rumor, but I'm pretty sure it's the strongest rumor we have out of all of them for how the hockey is going to resume for the next season. With the divisions, yeah, and we talked because about that last episode, just the travel episode, restrictions and everything, especially between the U.S. and Canada. There, there yeah. will definitely at least be a Canadian division. And uh, the interesting is that if this could be a transitional thing too where it starts the season starts out like this because um, obviously we, we know there's a couple of vaccines that have been approved and depending on the timeline of that the end of the NHL season if it starts could look a little different than how it begins you know that's another possibility there as well it would be a very good thing if it goes that way so let's hope it goes that way but we will we will wait and see here so that's all we got there update wise on the NHL status start of the season may as news comes comes in we'll talk about in the episode but that's all we got for there now next we're just going to basically round up here how i mentioned before a lot of devil's prospects went overseas and played on loan so we're going to run through these guys name and see how they were doing igor sharangovich man he is uh he really took he was the one that stands out here he had 17 goals and four assists and only 30 games in the khl keep in mind the khl is probably the strongest hockey league outside the NHL in the world that 17 goals was second most in the league you know who's number one in the league name caught my eye chris dimitri yaskin remember him st louis oh, blues that forward. familiar yeah st louis blues forward but igor had 17 goals second in the league four assists that was in 30 games now i'm sure a little bit had to do with shooting luck but i mean 17 goals so you don't score 17 by accident in the khl sharon govich was a 2018 fifth round pick and i think he's a strong candidate to take one of those bottom six holes come training camp yeah i mean i've said it on previous episodes i'll say it again our our russian scouts deserve a bonus 
they, are sending greets up Igor Sharangovich. <laughs> and then this will lead us into Mikhail Maltsev, who's another guy playing over in the KHL. Didn't have the assist of Igor or the games played. He only played four games in the KHL, had one assist, and he's a 2016 fourth rounder. Came on last year with Binghamton. Had that crazy goal in preseason, was I was going to say, uh, he undressed Lundqvist in the preseason. Yeah, so that's <laughs> your filthy. Mikhail Maltsev update. <laughs> Mr. Jesper Boquist played in the hockey Alskaskan of the Swedish hockey system. This is the second tier league under the SHL. He did very well. 10 points in 13 games. Nick Merkley played in the Liga, which is the Finnish league, and he had a very good showing in their top league. 13 points in 19 games. He did. Um, The Liga is probably the third or fourth best hockey league in the world. you got the NHL, KHL, SHL, then probably behind them is the Liga, so that's a really good showing for Nick Merkley. Shakir Mukahamadoulin also played in the KHL. It's funny. I said this in the chat before. He started out the season real hot. I remember it was like the most points for a defenseman in a certain amount of games, but you only finished with nine points in 31 games. Um, I know he's not going to be done in the KHL. He'll go back after his World Junior Camp, so he won't be coming back home per se because he's going to be spending the rest of the year in the KHL. But as of now, he's nine points in 31 games as well as a minus two rating. Nikolo, Nikolai Pasic is another guy who probably won't be coming home. He'll be staying overseas. Had four goals in 16 games in the SHL, and he was a 2019 seventh rounder. So that's a little overseas Devils prospect news for you. Um, Chris, did you see any prospect news overseas um, type deals that I missed? I don't think so. I think right? I saw in the Devils post that they said like Studenich was lighting it up in Slovakia. Is yeah. he now? Let's I do some research I, there. I believe I saw that. I think I shared it in our group. Yeah, just niche. I missed that. So yeah, he's I gotta, I gotta playing in Slovakia. Up. I'm trying to think some of the other guys. Um, we obviously so, discussed Holtz. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess I could. He's doing his thing. Um, he had a really good show. And so he is playing in Slovakia, Mr. Marion Studenich. I'm assuming their top league in Slovakia is playing for the HC Sloven Bratislava. So 14 <laughs> games, he has nine points. Look at him. That's a really good total. I'm assuming Slovakia's top league is not as good as most of them. So take that what you will. He has 42 penalty minutes. Maybe he's turned into a bit of grinder over there in Slovakia. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it's not necessarily the, the top league over there but I mean I mean again it's kind of that area of the world it's very competitive for hockey so yeah and then we'll uh Alexander Holtz update he's got 13 points in 18 games six goals seven assists so he's kind of jumped off that assist total there a little bit which is good to see so but yeah I mean that's all I really got for you in terms of prospect overseas um, deal. So in comparison, we could do a little comparison here. 21 games, Mr. Lucas Raymond has 12 points. And Interesting. In, <clears throat> excuse me. And in 18 games, Mr. Alexander has uh, 13 points. So, uh, you know, but two totally different players. That's just a fun little thing to look at there. Um, but yeah, that's all we have prospect-wise overseas prospects, statistics. I'm sure we're missing some guys, but I think we got to all the ones we wanted to. So next, it's time for our college hockey segment. So we're going to take a little break now and then we'll be back here with our friend George. Alrighty, now we're going to welcome on a special guest. 
As I mentioned earlier, we got George joining us from Devil's Army Blog. He's one of the writers here with us, as well as a editor. Does some editing for us, too. He wrote an article today, which is December 3rd. We published it. And you can read it on our page, post it on the socials. It's titled Expanding College Hockey, Which Schools Deserve Division One Programs. Um, just a little bit about George real quick. Like I said, he's a writer here. He also, like Chris, played college hockey in the ACHA for Indiana University, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, I'm just – Take you guys through his article real quick. If you haven't read it already, um, I would. It's a great read, very informative with the world of college hockey. Basically, the article starts out explaining the financials of college hockey and how profitable it actually is. I mean, I learned a lot reading this. It's more profitable than women's basketball in terms of revenue. Women's basketball, baseball, mental cross is on here, track and field. So, it's, it's a really profitable sport, it looks like. Um, the article just kind of further goes on how hockey's grown so much, how profitable it really is, what some of the top programs are bringing in money-wise. And then he gets into what are the drawbacks of having a college hockey program, kind of explaining how the arena is kind of – takes a lot to operate keeping that ice cold enough for it not to melt and have nice ice conditions and all that fun stuff and he goes into what you're going to talk later on about some potential programs some schools that currently don't have a division one program that might look to add one or should look to add one this based off their acha success or links to nhl teams or other type of links that would just make sense for them to get a college hockey program so like i said we're going to talk more about this article as we go on but just wanted to give you guys a little overview before we jump into stuff here. So you got me, who has never played hockey before, let alone college hockey. And then you got George and Chris, who both have experience in the ACHA. I'm sure they've experienced playing hockey their whole life. What it's like to possibly get recruited to play hockey, fun stuff like that. Um, so I, I don't know much about college hockey. Once in a while, I'll watch like a Notre Dame game or something. But that's the extent of my college hockey knowledge. So basically, I'm going to turn it over to you, Chris and George. And you two, whoever wants to take the lead here, just tell the listeners about what college hockey is all about kind of like the structure is there division two is there division three division one what are the conferences like tell us a little bit about acha let's let's start there get us started so whoever wants to take the lead here so uh george i thought your your article was phenomenal i read it this morning as soon as we published and i gave you a little message this morning Uh, i thought it was a really good read but you did a good job breaking down everything so i'm gonna let you basically uh kind of try and recap your article how everything's broken down Yeah, thank you, Chris. And so the ACHA, to answer your question, is basically um, like the the overarching club hockey organization. And so they run Division One, Two, and Three at the club level. And so they're really competitive club teams. Like I know, I think Alabama is in Division One. Syracuse is in Division One. I'm pretty sure. So those are some of the more competitive, bigger universities that really. Uh, invest in their club hockey programs and then you know it goes down to division three where you know you have schools like indiana and so it's kind of more casual and um you know other schools like i think fairfield university is division three i know michigan and and notre dame have programs in division three so oh so schools like that have division one like ncaa division one also could have club hockey. Oh, that's cool. I had no idea. That's possible. But then to get into the Division One landscape a little bit, um, there's only 60 uh, Division One hockey teams in 
comparison to say, uh, you know, 130 FBS football programs, or even I think maybe 120 basketball schools, Division One across the nation. So that's not a lot, and so I kind of um, noticed that and noticed that there's probably going to be, um, hopefully, an expansion in college hockey. And so I just thought about it, and what I was trying to get at with my article is, yeah, there's um, there's not, you know, extreme revenues to be made from college hockey, but as it, you know, gains popularity, it's it's increasingly on television, broadcast on NBC and Fox. Um, I think there's definitely opportunity for bigger schools that can that can um, pull off having a program. So that's kind of what I was getting at. Gotcha. Um, now, I went to Temple University. I know they have a <clears throat> hockey team. Um, yep. I know it's ACHA. Do you know what level they play in? I was always curious because so, I know they got a good team. Yeah, that's interesting. So when I was playing uh, at Monmouth, when I think it was my freshman and sophomore year, we played in a division that had us, Temple, St. Joe's, uh, did you I mention Penn State? Division, huh? Yeah, it's a lot of teams in there. Um, <laughs> we played Ryder. They were down like South Jersey a little bit. Um, I forgot all the teams. I think it was most of them, but Temple was D2 at that time, and so were we. And then uh, that division kind of like people just started leaving it. We went to like a different division with like Seton Hall and Wagner and these other schools. And Temple actually stepped up to D1. They're they're a D1 program now in the ACHA. They're they're not NCAA, but they moved up. And so, they got some say, sweet sweaters too. I've seen them around. They got some sweet sweaters. Go ahead, uh, George. Sorry. That's that's cool. And I would say um, that's one that I left off the list. That like, you know, hopefully there are some Temple grads that, you know. Uh, feel like they should have been included and you know want to talk about temple potentially getting a program but yeah but yeah that was that was a good chris and thanks for sharing and uh in division one to just kind of lay it out there's um six divisions i believe and so you have the ones that are more recognizable for people who grew up in the northeast you know you have the ecac ecac which has your ivy league schools you know, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, and then it has uh, Union, St. Lawrence, some, some schools in, you know, northern New York, Clarkson, Colgate, same type of deal. So that's kind of what the ECAC is. Quinnipiac's a big one in there too. Yep, Quinnipiac as well. And that's a newer program that kind of came mm-hmm. out in the yeah, 90s. They are. And um, Quinnipiac is actually supportive of the uh, Long Island University program because they, they know what it's team, like right? yeah they just just started a team in the middle of the pandemic because they know what it's like to start a program and so when long island was looking for opponents quinnipiac um, was willing to play them so i thought that was cool but yeah hockey east you guys know hockey east with bc and umass mm-hmm. and, um, then they have the nchc which is more like out west um, you got minnesota duluth north dakota Denver, Miami, Ohio. So that's that's kind of the all over the place um, conference. The Big Ten, you guys well know the Big Ten, and then Notre Dame's included in that. Um, the Atlantic Hockey Conference. So that's some some schools up in northern New York, like um, like I think Canisius is outside Buffalo. Um, a couple of these Niagara um, Army even, but. Yeah, that's that's another division, and I think if uh, if Navy gets a program, which I've heard rumblings about, 
that they would potentially join the Atlantic Hockey Association. It would yeah, make sense because they already got Air Force and Army in there. So Yeah, and then the one that I didn't mention was the, um, I believe it's the Western Conference, something like that, WCHA. Yeah. And so that's got, you know, a bunch of random teams out in Minnesota and Michigan um, that not a ton of people are paying attention to, but one team I will say that's uh, highly regarded this year is Minnesota State, and um, usually Ferris State and Michigan Tech you put together pretty good teams. So yeah, that's those are thing to look out for. those are a couple of college, like it, it's funny because I hear like Michigan Tech and then Ferris State's another one you said right, mm. um, like these teams that I haven't heard of in terms of like because I'm used to college basketball and all that stuff. I'm assuming they got sports that are like Division three sports, Division two sports, and they're only Division one programs. Hockey is that how that usually works there? Yeah, yeah. and so gotcha. that I'd say for Minnesota State, you could probably. Um, well guess that their main main sport revenue wise is hockey yeah that would make that sense goes for, that goes that for goes a lot for of these programs, programs. Mm-hmm. especially um, the ones really far up north like that in the michigan minnesota area yeah mm-hmm. and so you know because there's rinks up there because you know there's an abundance of players that come from those regions um they're able to sustain hockey programs but in places where it's not as popular like say you know southern illinois um, it may take a while, and luckily now there's momentum there because there's so many hockey players that come from the Chicago area, and um, University of Illinois or U of I was supposed to get a program, um, I think, this past year, and they like announced that they were you know coming out with it, and then the pandemic hit, so they've had to delay things, but that's probably um, next on the board is is U of I to get a program. Gotcha, yeah. Um, so both of you guys could talk on this. I don't know how serious you guys were about playing college hockey back in high school. I don't know if you guys got recruited at all or were thinking to play maybe Division One, Division Two, and not the ACHA. But can you guys talk about how like recruiting works for these kids in high school? Because as I was talking to you guys before we hopped on here, I had a couple buddies, and it seems like they ended up playing college hockey, but they didn't start playing college hockey until probably like – 20 years old, 21 years old. It seems some of these kids get started later in the college division two, division one, division two landscape. Is that true? Yeah. So I think it's just sort of backed up because there's only so many, so many spots in college hockey. And you, like I said, there's 60 teams. And, um, you know, if you take players from Minnesota, Michigan, uh, Massachusetts, New York, but then you also take players from Canada and Sweden and Finland um, you know, these rosters are stacked up. And so, you know, it sometimes it takes a couple extra years of development and that's where players will go to prep school or play in junior leagues like the USHL or the uh-huh. NAHL. Those are, the, those are like the top junior leagues. So sometimes they'll go try to play there for a couple years and then make the jump to college. So, yeah, like you'll watch like Providence is a good example. Like it feels like their whole team is 21, like outside of a couple players. Yeah that's, yeah, that's the route that a couple of kids I know I went to high school with. I think they went in uh, – what was the, the leagues you were in? The NA, NAHL 
Is that one of them? Yeah, yeah. Like they went to those leagues for a couple of years, and then they finally got an offer and committed somewhere to play college hockey. But yeah, I always found that interesting, and that totally makes sense how there isn't a lot of D1, D2, like NCAA programs. So they're kind of like log jammed, and they got to develop their game more, and that's how they'll process offers for those. But I always thought it was kind of kind of interesting how that all worked out there. Chris, I don't know if you have anything to add about that whole topic or any personal stories about trying to play, getting recruited or any of that fun stuff, or if you were just always one kind of like, you know what, I'm going to go here and I'm just play some ACHA for some fun, you know? Yeah, it was, it was more uh, just playing some ACHA for some fun for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when I came down to like the final schools I was picking for college, uh, I paid attention to which ones had club hockey and which ones didn't. And, and uh, that was a big decision for me. But I mean, in terms of recruiting, um, these schools are going to be just like any other sport. They're going to have recruiters. Uh, you know, some of them may find you. Sometimes you have to kind of do your own, be your own agent essentially. And like a lot of the schools will have like a questionnaire or something to fill out for like, yeah. uh, just to try and get their attention that like, Hey, I'm, I'm someone who would be interested whether, you know, what level of skill you are, it at least gets you in their system on their radar or something. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just settled for ACHA when I graduated high school and was going off to college. So I didn't, I think the only college that I was considering going to that had a, a NCAA program was Merrimack. So, gotcha. What about you, George? Was it just like Chris? It was kind of went to Indiana. You knew they had a club team and kind of just walked into it, played there for some fun. Yeah, I wasn't um, totally interested in in trying to you know travel and go play juniors and you know kind of pay for that process or um, take on extra years of, of prep school and, and you know in an effort to like maybe uh, make it Division three or Division one. Um, but definitely, definitely enjoyed the hockey career and, and playing club at the ACHA level. But still, I think this was a, uh, an interesting article just to kind of discuss, you know, some potential expansion opportunities at the uh, Division One level. Yeah, so that's a good segue there. We'll get more into that chunk of it. Um, so I noticed there's a few schools you brought up that don't have a program, but it would be a good idea just because they're a close connection with some NHL teams. I believe um, NC State was it being so close to Raleigh. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe something with the Carolina Hurricanes. What else did I see on there? What was another school that you – Nashville Predators. What's a school by the uh, – the Preds. Vanderbilt. Yep. Vanderbilt's another one on there. And even I was discussing about Temple before and Chris said they moved up to a division one ACHA. Uh, I don't know if that's, if they're still playing there or not, but they got the flyers right down broad street. So maybe that'd be something interesting there. They could possibly work out. But do you think that would be, do now these college division one teams, do they usually have their own arenas or do some share with say an NHL team or an AHL team or something like that? It so, kind of depends. Yeah, a lot of them do have their own arenas, and it's only a select few that have absolutely, like, kind of, like, stunning arenas. Like, if you go to Penn State, uh, if you go to Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan, those are, those are like, the best of the best uh, mm-hmm. hockey arenas in college hockey. And so I've been I don't to Ohio think that, State one. That one's beautiful. I've been yeah, that one. Yeah, so I don't think every um, program needs to shoot for that. Just yeah, the main requirement like, is to have a rink on campus. It doesn't necessarily have to, like, be huge. Right, but. right. And so, like, Arizona State, like, for the two years that they played Division One before approving this nude rink, 
has been playing in like a 1,000 seat arena, like you know, a couple miles off campus, I think. Yeah, but, and <clears throat> who was the uh, team with the Tucson Roadrunners? You said that that would make sense there, down in Arizona. Was that the University of Arizona, right? Yeah, U of A. Um, so I, I was doing some research, and it looked like they sh- like play club games at the uh, the minor league hockey rink. So I was making that connection. I, I'm pretty sure that's that's where they play. So I mean, that would be cool if yeah. they uh, if they elevated to a program uh, D1, but. But yeah, that would definitely be cool. Now, I know you talked about Illinois before. They were kind of on the cusp of becoming full-on Division One, but the pandemic hit and all that stuff kind of happened there. But is there any other schools that you know of that are right on the cusp there that are probably going to be getting a team here in the next few months or even the next couple of years that it's like confirmed? Um, confirmed, no. I mean, U of I, you know, that's about as good of a bet as you can have. Mm-hmm. Um, in the next five years, I think, even regardless of the pandemic, I think they're still going to get it done. Um, Navy is um, maybe going to happen for the Atlantic Hockey Association, which would be cool because then they could play, you know, Army and Air Force, and why not have a Navy hockey team? Um, yeah, it'd be other cool. ones, I'm not so sure. Like I said, like Rutgers, Syracuse, like those just kind of make sense just kind of intrinsically like wouldn't those be good hockey programs aren't those in big hockey markets big state schools with big draw like why wouldn't they make sense so yeah i think Rutgers has a d1 and d3 acha team yeah so those are ones that i just point to it's like hey why not but um yeah i would say uh keep your eye on u of i and navy Gotcha. Um, Chris, is there any programs that you have in mind that you'd really want to see maybe try to get D1 program or even any that you think will be soon in the future that haven't been confirmed yet? But, you know. Yeah, I mean, in, in terms of uh, just college sports in general and trying to get one to go at, you know, NCAA, this is probably the one that takes the biggest commitment and the most amount of money, which is why you don't see like it everywhere with a ton of schools it, it's it's a big commitment you have to make but george has shown in his article that it's very profitable as well so for that side of it you know the people concerned about money um they should invest in it but uh like george mentioned his article his arm his alma mater indiana he'd love to see them go ncaa uh i'd love to see monmouth go ncaa someday um right now i think they're still d2 and everything um i saw just looking up some teams uh i don't see this happening but florida gulf coast is kind of interesting because they're they have a d2 and a d3 team i believe and i just looked at their schedule just out of curiosity and they're playing teams like university of denver boston college minnesota michigan state penn state like not their ncaa teams but teams that have club hockey and also ncaa so you know if you want to get into the you know, conspiracy area, maybe at some point Gulf Coast, maybe Florida Gulf Coast tries to get a team or something. Well, uh, Dunk so, City on ice. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Dunk City, does Georgetown have a hockey team? They better not or else uh, Georgetown's going to be a little, little no. scared there. I don't know if you guys remember back in 2013, March <laughs> Madness, we got Dunk City upset number two seed Georgetown in basketball, but I don't know if we could see some of that on ice, but... Yeah, yeah I'm no, not that, seeing was, that was awesome, that run. But, yeah, Georgetown doesn't have a program. That's another school in that D.C. area that, like, would 
would really make sense you you think but kind of like a biggie school because i feel like providence has a division one ncaa hockey team right i, I feel like a lot mm. of the biggie schools have d1 programs right i'm i'm trying to think here now but i don't know who knows it, it's very interesting to monitor because like as you guys said it's a really big commitment but it seems like these schools that end up committing and laying out the money they get a really good return on investment and college hockey is just electric I mean, the the environment, the settings, the indoor settings. I mean, you're not getting as much now because of what's going on. But you got to love some college hockey. Yeah, and also on the other side of things, I mean, they have NCAA college hockey for women as well. The ACHA does it too. They have Division One and D2 for women's teams as well. So basically, if you're not in the NCAA, you're in the ACHA. Um, and that's kind of where it's different from a lot of other club sports where – it's not oh I'm a, I'm a part of a club and it's more for fun. It's it's a very competitive atmosphere. Uh, it's it's more competitive than it is for fun with some other sports clubs. So, gotcha. Um, so I like I said earlier, I don't watch a ton of college hockey, but can you guys give us kind of because college hockey right now is the only. American hockey really, really gotten go. We really have going on at this point. I know. know the Big Ten started their season. Actually, as we spoke, or me and Chris talked about earlier, Arnie Talavitti or however you say his Tal- name, Vitti. Devils Talavitti, Devils prospect, actually scored his first goal of the season for Penn State today. Let's go, baby! <laughs> Starting off 0 five, 5 on the season, season. but let's go. <laughs> They're up one zero. Last time I checked, thanks to that Arnie goal. But um, do you guys have any teams you know to watch out for this year and? To the row of the Frozen Four, any guy, any teams, any anything you guys want to look out for here? I mean, I pay close uh, closer attention to the Big Ten, and so um, it it really seems like Michigan and Wisconsin yeah, I heard they got have a really good programs. Yeah, I mean, you guys have seen Cole Caulfield is having a great year. I think he's got uh, eight points in eight games, and Wisconsin also has this Swedish guy uh, drafted by the Sabers who's got 10 goals in eight games. Yeah, and then uh, Michigan has got some guys uh, in the draft, you know, that are putting up putting up. Quinn's younger brother's playing for Michigan, right? Luke, is it? Luke Quinn? Or no, Luke Hughes, I'm sorry. Hughes is younger, Jack's younger brother, Luke Hughes. Is he at Michigan? Maybe. I actually don't. Is he Michigan or Maine? Nah, he's not at Maine. I'm pretty sure it's it's, a... or he's committed to Michigan. He'll be going there. So tw- he's committed for next year. He's going to Michigan 21, I think, 22. I think Quinn played in Michigan. So yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So his younger yeah. brother's going to Michigan. Um, is what's the school? Not Wisconsin. I forget. They were loaded last year, but they did. Re- I think it was Wisconsin. They were loaded last year, but they didn't. They didn't play up the expectation. It, it was. Yeah, it was uh, Wisconsin. They yeah, were. Struggling because I wrote a prospect profile on Dylan Holloway, and he played for Wisconsin last year, and they were absolutely loaded, but they really struggled. But um, you yeah. said this year they should turn it around. Um, how's my How's the Fighting Irish supposed to be this year? Are they going to be their same old? They'll be hanging around there. Also, pretty good. I think. I think like Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Notre Dame are probably top of the Big Ten. I mean, I don't know if that for sure. I think Ohio State's probably in that mix too. But like Chris touched on, I think uh, Penn State's struggling, and you know Minnesota is always good. So with Michigan, Wisconsin starting out strong, I think that's probably the the race, the four the four horse race. 
Yeah, I'm a Penn State fan, so I watched the uh, I watched the game against Minnesota, and that was a little bit painful to watch. Just some of the the bad moves and execution and stuff. So, was that the game where uh, Minnesota had like 55 shots on goal or something unreal like that, or is, am I thinking of a different game? Yeah, it was pretty back and forth. I mean, Minnesota wasn't getting as many chances as Penn State, if I remember correctly, but the mistakes that Penn State was making were giving pretty good opportunities to Minnesota. It was one of those kind of games. Yeah, gotcha. Um, Just your typical college hockey game, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if you're watching college hockey, the biggest thing to to know and you'll see is just the Big Ten versus Hockey East. You have all these divisions, but that's usually the main turf war is between those two divisions. That's where you get that Boston College versus Minnesota rivalry where they're not like the same division – but they just can't stand each other because <laughs> they usually end up meeting for some form of championship or exhibition or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What stinks is they can't play. They canceled the bean pat this year. So yeah. hockey East, that's a bit of a, uh, a bummer, but yeah, um, it's definitely cool to watch and it's, you know, it's on pretty much every day. It feels like, so something to watch and uh, got a lot some of these players are also going to be in uh, world juniors coming up. Um, I think that's yeah. late December. World Juniors is coming up quick. We're actually going to have a kind of like a breakdown prediction episode coming up here in a couple of weeks. I'm going to make sure we get on that. Well, uh, college hockey scoreboard update. So latest, it seems like Michigan and Penn State are tied at three. And Mr. Arnie has his second of the night. So Nice. Assistant captain <laughs> this year, too. Good to Double see. Double prospect scoring points doing really well there as we talked a little bit about before but yeah i mean college hockey it's something i didn't much know about um george that was a great article i appreciate you writing that getting content out for everybody i'm sure a lot of people aren't really familiar with college hockey just kind of how it is unfortunately but seems like they're going to continue to grow i don't know if you want to add anything um something we missed about your article that you want to talk about or any last words here before we uh close your visit and appearance on the episode out um yeah i'll just say go hoosiers i think um you know we're top 12 i think in the nation for football something like that a quarterback just got hurt so that's a, a speed bump but hey, yeah, he's uh, when they, for the year unfortunately when they vote on the college football playoff just keep us in mind okay yeah i'm sure they'll. don't sleep on indiana Make exactly. sure to do that. No, I, yeah, I appreciate yeah. you coming on, man. That was a great article, and I'm, I hope all the listeners have uh, read it. And we'll probably throw it on the website again tomorrow as a little in case you missed it. So we'll get we'll get you more exposure. Don't you worry. So I appreciate right, you coming sweet. on. ACG yes. pros, baby. Exactly. Yeah. I'll see right, you later, guys. George. Peace. All right, so once again, appreciate George coming on, joining us. Like I said, I'll probably post his article again when this is released. Very good read. Make sure you check it on out. Little college hockey talk to take us out. Um, take us out here. I learned more about college hockey as a whole. I'm sure you guys will too if you listen to that or read the article. But I think that's all we got for you guys on this episode, <laughs> episode 27. So you got anything else for us, Chris? Um, I mean, I guess I'll mention one last thing about college hockey in, in terms of recruiting, you know, um, you just got to work, work hard. I mean, I started a younger age, you know, playing travels good, um, participate in some tournaments and stuff like that. 
Uh, some teams will do that. They'll travel to like Philadelphia. I think Silver Sticks is pretty big. They do it in a couple places around the country that they do that in like Philly. I think Colorado, they do it in Denver. There's a bunch of places they do it. That's a big one. Um, Can-Am, the Canadian American tournament usually takes place in Lake Placid and some other places. Just as many tournaments as you can get involved in and stuff like that. And, uh, there are some like, you know, not juniors as in like Canada, the, the, Q and CHL. There's other junior leagues in in America as well that you can always look at. Um, you know, just tons of options. But as long as you work hard, that's the main thing. You hear that, kids? Work hard, and you may one day be able to play some college hockey. But anyway, um, yeah. So good stuff there. Thanks for that, Chris. Appreciate George coming on. Got nothing else for you, Chris. Anything else? Let's go Devils, baby. Yes, sir. As always, everyone stay safe out there, and we will talk to you sometime next week. Yes.